donor stewardship when you can't come within six feet of your donors. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. Welcome to the first day with the fundraising school. I'm joined this week by Gwen Perry Davis, a longtime faculty member of the fundraising school who now serves as the senior director of development for the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago. And Gwen, thanks so much. I hope that you and your household are safe and healthy during this pandemic. Bill, so nice to be with you. Yes, we are safe and healthy and glad to be here. As you teach for us, you teach that 14-step fundraising cycle and making the philanthropic request is step 13 out of 14. And the 14th step is stewardship. Before we dive into stewardship during the pandemic, just help our audience remember why stewardship itself is just so important overall to fundraising success. Absolutely. I hope the audience will remember that's that nice, great circle and refer to it often because stewardship as the last step in the fundraising cycle is actually the first step in any future solicitation. It is a really important point in the building of a relationship with a donor and it should be equally as important as the solicitation or the cultivation step. Um, I treat it as such. Uh, stewardship is an important part of the work we do at the MCA. In fact, some days I think it's probably more important than any other step in the cycle for us. And stewardship, just broadly defined, is staying in communication, staying in relationship with our donor in ways that don't always involve directly asking for the next gift, right? That's correct. And I would say that here at the MCA, we do that in a number of ways, and it's incredibly important to us. While I work in the arts, I will tell you that my donors uh, uh, at the MCA are very similar to other donors across uh, sectors and cities. They are interested in supporting their community. They're interested in supporting projects. They're interested in supporting people, whether those are artists or youth. And while we do the work, it's really important to tell them the story of how that work occurred. I also like to really share with them the successes. They are not always obvious to the public if you're not in a museum 24 hours a day. How do you know that 50,000 school kids came through a museum at, during to see this particular show? Um, so there's so many points and so many points of pride to share with donors that we love to do that and think it's an important part of what we are uh, working on as a development team at the MCA. So Gwen, now we have this new reality where at best, I should only come within six feet of a donor if mm -hmm. he allows me to do so. Maybe we have lawn chairs out at the local park or some such arrangement. But by and large, sheltering in place means fundraising in place. So what advice do you have for effective stewardship in this era of the virus crisis? So I think we're going to all navigate this um, as the virus changes and as our communities sort of adapt. What I will say is that the principles that we teach in the fundraising school are still incredibly important. First, reach out to your donors. Let them know that you're thinking of them. Ask them how they are. Ask them what their concerns are. Ask them what they'd like to hear from you about your organization. That's certainly what I'm doing with the MCA. Um, one of the stories that I tell is that early on in the crisis, I reached out to a donor who gave me a big lift by saying, once again, one of my last best social moments was at the MCA. So the ability to reach out to donors and also ask them to share their fond memories are incredibly important. Um, I would also say that now is an important time for stewardship to uptick the communication. 
uh, we certainly have been spending more time telling our story and what's happening on our website behind closed doors during the crisis. That just giving them information is an incredibly important part of what we do. And I've been really warmed by the responses that I've received from donors who are excited to hear. Um, until a donor has said, no, I don't want to know more, I'm sending them everything that we can and asking them to be along on this journey with us. Gwen, can you expand on that, please? One of the questions we receive from folks as they contact the fundraising school is, you know, is it okay? I don't want to be intrusive. Mm -hmm. I understand times are tough right now. Have you received any negative response from donors when you reach out to them? Again, help our fundraisers understand how they can best proceed. Sure. I would, I would be, it's honest to say I have not received any negative response. What I have received, and I think it's fair to think about this, is that the degree in which donors respond to communication varies. It's really important, just as we as fundraisers are all experiencing the pandemic in different ways, so are our donors. They are citizens, they have families, they have many interests. So I always start by saying, I'd love to be in touch with you. Can I give you a call? A, I want to check in I'm with you, see how you're physically doing, and B, I'd like to tell you what's going on with the MCA. I've been very fortunate that every donor has said yes, um, and when the donor isn't necessarily in a good space, they're happy to share that with me. Uh, it is helpful for them to clarify and to make sure there's no misunderstanding about where they are, how they're making decisions, what they think about the MCA. Almost all have wanted to say the MCA is important to me, and I just want you to know that no matter what happens in the next six to eight months. And Gwen, as we're sensitive on how people are dealing with the virus crisis, what about the method of communication? I know each of us likely has had a different type of learning curve with Zoom or Correct. Skype or whatever video chat system that we're using. How do we cross that bridge with our donors? So I think of two important points here. One is don't assume your donors don't want to do Zoom. I have been impressed and surprised by the number of donors and the type of donor who is very excited about doing Zoom. They've all had to adapt to see um, their families, to do their work, to see their grandchildren. So there have been some early adopters. <laughs> Having said that, I do ask what's their preference. And many donors still prefer a nice long phone call. And I think just asking them what they'd like and at a time that's convenient for them is so critical. Um, one of the things that I have been reminded of so much during this uh, pandemic is that our donors have lives and ask them if there's a good time to call. Don't assume that they're just sitting there waiting. Um, they're worried, they're working with their children, they're connecting with others. So reach out and ask them what, what's best for them. That may mean that the call happens or the Zoom happens six days, two weeks later, but I've been lucky, everyone has been responsive. And I don't think I'm unusual in that way. I think that that is very much the case for donors who are interested in your organization. They want to hear from you. If they've given money in the past, it's because they believe that your organization has an impact. They want to know that you're going to have an impact in the future and they want to hear about it. Fundraisers always need to be flexible based on the donor schedule. That includes now, uh, even if people are sheltering in place. 
they may have more availability in an evening than during the daytime or on a weekend as opposed to during the week. Uh, and of course, some folks are needing to leave their home to work and we obviously need to be sensitive to that as well. Gwen, thank you for this discussion about how you individually are relating with your donors. How about with the Museum of Contemporary Art overall? Are there other ways communication is happening that either directly or indirectly serves as donor stewardship? I'm thinking about marketing and social mm -hmm. media, emails, things like that. What has been the strategy there at the museum that the rest of us can learn from? Absolutely. I work closely with my colleagues in marketing and in our content strategy because everything that goes out from the MCA is in fact your donor stewardship right now. We have as quickly as we could pivoted a lot of our content online. So providing more images and descriptions of images um, and uh, uh, work that you can't physically see right now, walking through galleries. I'm not personally responsible for that, but I'm making sure that our donors know that they can log in at any time and see that. We have regular newsletters going out. Those still remain important. We have news to share, whether that news is simply that hey, our store has a new uh, Mother's Day gift, which was incredibly popular, by the way, um, as well as well, here's what we're doing with our youth program. And if you're home with kids, why don't you take a look, print this out, try to do this with your, um, your, or your children at home. Uh, we have an artist that has recorded a piece for us as well that can accompany that. Have a great time. We'd love to see you. And we're sending that uh, idea, those con that content regularly. I'd also say, Bill, that one and a really important part here for fundraisers is to make sure that your chief executive and your board are also in communication with your donors. This is also a great time for them to uptick and actually say and reach out to many more people and say thank you for what you've done. In our case, gifts earlier in our fiscal year have really sustained us during this closure. And that's a really important and, and really um, impactful story to tell a donor. You made a difference already. Thank you. How do you utilize your board of directors in donor stewardship when times are normal and what role have they played now during the pandemic? I think um, much like many organizations and fundraisers, we use some of our trustees more than we use others given their preferences. Um, in Prior to the pandemic, we'd ask them to reach out and make solicitations on our behalf. We'd ask them to reach out and connect with a donor to see about their engagement in a committee or a project. Since the pandemic, um, I've been very deliberate in asking a select group of trustees to reach out to other donors who they know, they have a relationship with. I think that's much more comfortable right now. Um, I've asked them to check in. I've asked them when it's appropriate to follow up on a solicitation. Our work has not completely shifted since the pandemic. We are simply more sensitive, and I would say that we're actually much more direct and thoughtful. Well, as we listen today to my good colleague, Gwen Perry Davis, you can see why folks who attend the fundraising school meet or exceed their fundraising goals at rates higher than national averages. Gwen, thank you for your expertise. Thank you for this hopeful message. Uh, and also, it sounds like what you're saying to summarize is that our donors by and large, when they're hearing from us in the stewardship relationship that does not necessarily involve making another request right now, that they are receiving hope, that they are glad to hear from us. Uh, and you know, first of all, just a diversion from the challenges of the virus, 
but just also something that they are attached to in making the world a better place. I would agree, Bill, that one of the takeaways for me during this process is that by reaching out and telling our story, sharing our case, our mission, what we're giving our donors is hope that we are going to be part of the community and a solution if necessary when we are all able to return to some new normal. They're very excited about being part of that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that is so well said. And again, thank you for that hope-filled message. And uh, again, the fundraising school, we're doing our best to be part of the solution. We take great pride since 1974 in being your career-long colleague. As your career evolves and as the situations evolve, we want to be as responsive as possible. So we're doing that by having our courses available online, the courses that lead to the Certificate in Fundraising Management, and the courses that lead to the Certificate in Fundraising Leadership. And right now, you can apply for it to receive a crisis response scholarship that reduces the uh, cost of those courses by 50%. Now, we hope to be back in person in our home city of Indianapolis at the end of August. Stay tuned. You know, we're waiting to hear from local, state, and federal policymakers, as well as the policies we need to follow through Indiana University. We have these free podcasts that come out every week and are recorded and archived on our website. Don't forget about Fridays with the Fundraising School. One Friday a month, we get together and we just hang out. We share some information, ask, answer your questions. Come and vent and share your worries as well. We just want to be able to have that online community for you. And also, we now have a series in current affairs fundraising, five half-day courses that lead to a new certificate in current affairs fundraising. All of this is being called TFRS at your desk. TFRS for the fundraising school. TFRS at your desk. And this is available online at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. With my colleague, Gwen Perry Davis, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm-hmm.